Let's continue our conversation about crude oil with Bob Iacino, founder and chief strategist at Path Trading Partners. We've got the energy stocks near the high still, Bob, but crude really getting hit. What's going on? I mean, I've probably said this, I don't know, 45 times on your show, OJ, but- Make it 46. Oil, 46, crude oil is correlated to crude oil. Oil stocks are not as correlated to crude oil as people think. Yeah. You've got all kinds of other factors involved with oil stocks in terms of costs and uh, things as random as non-GAAP accounting and CEO scandals. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that can go on along with this sort of overarching regulation and which part of their downstream process that would actually affect. Crude oil today, to me, was mostly about yesterday's gasoline inventory build and the uptick in refinery utilization. Now, it seems like that should have happened yesterday, but as we've talked about before, those sort of secondary headlines from the EIA figures uh, tend to get forgotten until later on when some of the bigger hedgers and maybe more sophisticated crude oil traders take a look at them. We had a 2.2 million barrel build. Distillates are now only 17% below the five-year average, still well below it but we had it at 24, 25% below the five-year average as recently as a few weeks ago. So that's starting to ease up a little bit. When you have refinery utilization tick up two weeks in a row like this, and you go from a 900,000 barrel draw to a 2.2 million build, we're likely to have a little bit of short-term inventory hang. Plus, you know, my longer-term view has been 65 before 105. To me, that has a lot to do with the twos, tens yield curve spread and what it's telling us at negative 68 basis points about the future of the economy and demand. Mm, so crude uh, gonna reflect some of that weakness? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're gonna see a lack of spending on travel coming down the pipe at some point. You're gonna see a lack of, of all kinds of industrial manufacturing processes that use crude oil and use distillates. Uh, you know, we've got diesel trains, diesel, and not diesel ships, but it's basically diesel. It goes along with the distillate story. And then you look at it from the perspective of how much of a build we've had recently, and the production is likely to slow. We'll probably see a downtick in refinery utilization in the next few days. And then you take with that what I still think is the absolutely assured, guaranteed, my opinion, not OJ's or TD Ameritrade's, absolutely assured recession that we're about to go through with some of the reduced travel that'll happen with that. Um, you know, it just seems to me like the demand estimates, even from OPEC, are probably a tiny bit high in the short to medium term. Okay, I uh, like the conviction there. I always uh, love conviction of uh, that degree. Uh, Bob, when uh, the factor in China, does that change anything in this uh, down day in markets? China stocks up 2.5%. Seems like people are really hopeful about the like 10th iteration, maybe the 20th of their iter of their uh, potential reopening? There's kind of a disconnect between Hong Kong, people's anticipa anticipation of a slowing of COVID zero, and basically uh, the Communist Party's reaction to that anticipation and to comments out of Hong Kong. They are not budging other than the travel requirements so far. And then, you know, we, Look, we, we've talked about it in our podcast last week with some pretty big oil names in the space. None of the Russian crude oil has actually come off the market yet. It was being sold to China and it was being stored by China. So even if they open, they not, may not necessarily make a big splash in the market. I think they were storing in anticipation of there potentially being some problems with Russian crude. And it's just a little bit further down the road if it were to happen. So yes, there'll be a spike if they officially open. 
I'm just not sure how long-lasting it'll be. Okay. All right. And uh, so far, it is paid to doubt uh, the longevity of any Chinese reopening. Uh, so uh, I guess then you're not a believer in the big like commodity boom phase two that's going to happen as they reopen, Bob? Uh, no, I wouldn't call it a boom. Mm -hmm. Again, we'll call it a spike. Okay. I mean, yeah, China's going to definitely have increased economic activity. They've been doing quite a bit of, uh, let's just call it quantitative spending. Right. They've done policy change after policy change trying to stimulate their economy. You're going to see a reaction from that. But they still rely so much on a global economy that's likely going into recession, at least in the G6, if not including the U.S., which I think it's going to be in the G7 as well. Mm. So it's a real struggle, OJ, when you look at comments from, uh, for example, Governor Bailey. You know, we've been talking about uh, James Bullard's comments all day. You and I both have. But when you look at the comments yesterday we got from Bank of England Governor Bailey, who said uh, unemployment has to rise in the UK before they can stop hiking rates. He didn't even mention a recession or as if there was any fear of that. Hmm. He said unemployment needs to rise. I'm paraphrasing. But he said the job market needs to loosen. We haven't seen that, even if we've seen prices start to come down, not in the U.S. I'm sorry, not in the U.K., but here in the U.S., we have not seen uh, jobs get markedly weaker, except maybe in the continuing claims number that we get every week. All right. Nice little throwback to this morning's data. Thanks, uh, Bob. Good take Good here. Uh, nice uh, macro conviction. Bob Iaccino, founder and chief strategist of Path Trading Partners.